Okay, welcome to episode number 70 of the Less Doing podcast. My name's Felix Bird, and here is your host, Ari Mizell. Hi, everybody, and hi, Felix. Uh, so thanks for listening in. You will may notice if you are listening on YouTube this week that we're not doing video, and we're probably not going to be doing video anymore, actually, because as we have, it's been pointed out to us several times, the audio quality is much more important to people than the video, and I get, you know, we get much more listeners through iTunes and podcasts and, and stuff. Anyway, the, the YouTube has just been sort of a nice outlet for the podcast. So it'll still be up there, but now it'll basically have just static images of whatever we're talking about. But for the most part, we're focused on making sure that the audio quality is the best that it can possibly be. And I hope that people can hear now that I am on a super professional mic that Felix set up for me. And he's going to be doing some processing in the background that uses terms I don't quite understand. And uh, <laughs> hopefully everybody recognizes how good this sounds. So uh, we don't have any questions or reviews this week, so we're just going to go right into the links and, and stuff from the week. Uh, the interview today is with Tom Hadfield from Fetch. And Fetch app, I've sort of mentioned this before, but it's awesome. Uh, part of the the issue that I've had recently with Fancy Hands over the last few months is that they stopped doing payments for things. They stopped buying things for you, uh, which I, I think was a security issue they were having. So Fetch basically puts it out there as your personal buying assistant. And you take a picture of a product or you describe a product visually uh, um, by voice or by text. They will find the best price. They'll you know, get all the best discount codes and they have your credit card and your address and they will order it for you. And it's super convenient. So it's, it's really great. But of course, as usual, I like to try to push the limits with these kinds of apps and use them for different things. So I've actually been using it to also pay for bills. So uh, I emailed Tom about it. Tom is the uh, the founder. I emailed him uh, about a week ago and I was like, hey, do you think, you know, it's a credit card? I mean, I, I have to pay this bill and you can pay with a credit card. Do you think that I could try having uh, Fetch do it? And he said, he wrote back right away and he said, try it. He said, I'd love to see how the team handles it. So I took a picture of a bill and sure enough, they paid it. And it's funny because they treat it like they're doing a purchase for you. So there there was a bill for a, a hospital bill basically and they uh, they put a picture of the hospital <laughs> as the product. So uh, Fetch is awesome. It's really smooth, works really well and I've saved quite a bit of money. So essentially Fetch is basically outsourcing your small purchasing and bills and you use that to save time that way, is that right? Right, well, because basically, if up until this point with Fancy Hands, anytime uh, there was something that I wanted to buy online or on a website or something I, that wasn't Amazon where I could just do the one-click purchase, I, I didn't want to go through filling out all the information and you know, creating a new account and all that stuff, so I would always just forward it to Fancy Hands and say, buy this. So now right. uh, I get around that. And, and actually, with Fetch, you can even give them your Amazon login. So if you're a Prime member and you know it happens to be that Amazon has the best price, they can still go ahead and do that for you. But they'll research it and see where the best price is. And, and I've had them purchase stuff for me from places I've never heard of with you know like 30 to 40% lower prices than I've been finding myself. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's awesome. really cool. Uh, so um, a couple of little things. It's not so much like new technology, but uh, Square, which you know I've talked about Square Cash before, and we love Square. Uh, they have Square invoices now, which they're really, I think, positioning themselves to be sort of this full-featured payment platform for businesses and, and personal use. So with Square invoices, you can write invoices on their platform, send them to people, and then people can pay with their credit cards and you get the same discount or the same rates as with Square. But most importantly, if you have a business where you're using a Square register, you know, your iPad as a register or you're taking credit cards on your iPhone and now you can send invoices to people, it's all sort of centralized. So it's just a nice thing that uh, Square is, is doing at this point. 
Right. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love using Square. Yeah. And it's the easiest, quickest way to pay people, easier than PayPal and everything. Oh, way, way easier. And again, yeah. because you can do it through email, there's so many other sort of automations you can fit in that way. Uh, yeah. I, I linked to a video that I've talked about before, but I, I just, it came up recently. I've been finding that a lot of the work I've been doing with clients and uh, especially in, in the mastermind group it, is about Zapier and IFTTT, believe it or not. Oh, yeah? So uh, what, you know, people, they want to create these really complicated tasks or they want to do these automations. And I'm just finding that I'm working with a lot of people on that. So I, I, I love this video from HitReach, which is a British company that does uh, website reviews, I think. Um, but they have this video where they basically automated 14 different steps from MailChimp to Gravity Forms to PayPal, Free Agent, Google Drive, Buffer, like all of these different things. And it's all done through IFTTT and Zapier. And basically... It's, they put this video up showing the whole process, and it's, it's really quite beautiful. So uh, I, I, I encourage oh, wow. people to check that out. And it, so what, what would you use that for as an example? Well, so basically they had this process where like people signed up on their website, and then that person was then sent a welcome email, and then they were put into Salesforce as you know, a new client, and then they were sent an email with it giving them information about how to do this, and then they were sent a payment link from PayPal, and they were added to Google Drive, and the special spread, you know, like the whole team basically got set up with this person. And it used to be something that it took one person 40 minutes to do, and now they've completely automated it. And this goes hand in hand with the post that I just put up on the blog the other day about the podcast production process that we go through, you and I, but the one that, mm -hmm. you know, involves WapWolf and Fiverr and Sort My Box and uh, Zapier and IFTT and all these different things that just automate the whole thing. So it's almost like programming in a way, but you don't have to know anything about programming to use these things. And it applies to your business and your life. And it's just amazing. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that video, and I, I really want people to check that out. Uh, I got the results back of my stress test, my hormone stress test. I talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, and I, I put a picture on Instagram of the saliva sweat test that I was doing. Uh, sweat. <laughs> the stress test from Alcat. And basically, it's looking at cortisol and, and DHEA for the most part, but primarily cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And what you do is you spit in these vials uh, at like five times a day, essentially. And they're, they're these small little vials. And actually, it's surprising how hard it is to come up with that amount of spit each time. <laughs> Because you're not allowed to eat or drink an hour beforehand. or So they send you these little plastic sheets that are oh, yeah. non-reactive and something. And you can chew on them. And it basically becomes like really hard chewing gum. And that, I guess, makes you develop a lot of... So, I mean, it, it basically signals you to start creating saliva. So anyway, uh, wow. so I did that. And basically, what it showed was that my cortisol levels were really in line for all but one of the tests. And that one test was the 5 p.m. test. So there's two things that that would show. One, it, with a high, and it was high. It was showing a high cortisol level, so suggesting high levels of stress in my body. And that would suggest one of two things. Either I'm eating a lot of sugars, basically, at that time of day or, or near that time of day, and then it's spiking my blood sugar and causing a cortisol response, or that I'm just really in a stressful situation. And it's probably more likely the latter because for anybody listening who has kids, 4 to 6 p.m. seems to be like the witching hour for kids. You know, it's yeah, like, it's like, right? It's like a weird hour that just things are well, like kind of off. Well, they're just exhausted, you know. They're exhausted. They're it's not quite exhausted, bedtime. They're hung hungry. They, they, wanna, they don't know it, but they want to go to bed. They, exactly. So they, and they don't know what they want. So uh, basically, that's what that was showing for me. And the levels, the levels weren't very high, but they were higher than uh, 
than the range value. So that was just interesting to see, and it's something that I'm going to be working on now to try. I mean, there's really not much you can do to mitigate the way kids are at that hour, but I'm going to see if I can do a little bit more stress doctor, a little bit more heart rate variability stress techniques to try to basically get that more in line. So uh, it was really interesting, and it's it's a relatively cheap test, and I recommend people do it because... Cortisol can also make you kind of happy and make you feel good and make you feel energized. But if it's too high, you're going to really, you're basically going to just overdo it. And it's a good thing to test. And it's an easy thing to test because you just have to spit in a vial. There's no blood or anything. Yeah. So I also put this link to this website called You're Getting Old. And, you know, one of the things that I'm always talking about with uh, less doing is self-awareness. And that this, this has sort of struck that chord for me. Basically, what you do is you put in your age or you put in when you were born. And then it will show you all sorts of things that were basically happening throughout your life and before and after your life. And it's kind of amazing uh, just to get that perspective, basically. So, for instance, when I was three months old, the Chernobyl disaster happened. And that's like, that's crazy to me that that's what was kind of going on then. Um, but it also will show you sort of your what your birthday was the halfway point of, for instance. So today being the 13th of June, the ha- my birthday would be halfway between this day and August 12th of 1951, which was when the Cash on the Rye was first published. So it's just like these it's really it's random. Really, yeah, I find it I find it pretty sobering actually. Um, they they mentioned all of these. They mentioned a couple of sort of young celebrities whose combined age uh, amounts to my age. Of course, oh, yes. I've never heard of them. <laughs> But then, uh, and then it did make me feel a little better to know that Michael Bloomberg is exactly twice my age. So there was that. <laughs> but, but yes, it uh, it it really does make you uh, make you wonder. Well, I, I also recommend I, checking it out. I also like this. There, there, there's a running counter on here. For instance, like I, I have taken approximately 268 million breaths in my life. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so it's <clears throat> it's just I just think it's wonderful. So and and they actually so. This is a really weird thing. So my, I, according to this, my heart rate has beaten approximately 1.2 billion times in my life. And really? there was some report that I saw a long time ago that basically said that the average lifespan of every species is about a billion heartbeats. So, and it makes sense, you know, so 32 years old or, or I mean, you know, I'm 31. So like 30 years old ish was probably like the average lifespan of a lot of cavemen at the time, you know, back then, but also on an animal level, you know, uh, mice, their heart, hearts beat a lot faster than ours. Hummingbirds, their hearts beat a lot faster than ours. Um, uh, what tortoises, their hearts beat a lot slower than ours. So like basically the average seems to be a billion beats in your lifetime. So I'm, I'm pushing the envelope now. I'm at 1.2. So we'll see. Well, if you, um, <clears throat> I thought this was really interesting. If you try to get the understand the relationship between a million and a billion, it's very hard to, to conceptualize. Uh, we pass a million seconds. You'll be a million seconds old when you're just twenty-two weeks old. You'll be a billion seconds old when you're somewhere between, I think, your thirtieth and thirty-first birthday. Yeah. Wow. So that's the difference between a million and a billion. That's a really that's a that's a good way to get that part of, sort of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So um, factoid there. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. <laughs> um, so there was an article in the Telegraph. There's a lot of UK stuff today. In the in the Telegraph. And it basically it says that fasting for three days can regenerate entire immune system, study finds. So this oh, no, no, no. Fasting for just three days. Don't eat anything for just three days. <laughs> 
Well, I hated the way they wrote that. How could they write just three days? Oh, okay. Great. Is it great? Is, I'll just eat nothing for three days. Well, maybe you've been out That'll of the be UK fun. too long. Maybe it's maybe that's really common. <laughs> maybe it is. Yeah. Basically, what they're... It, that, that's what they meant by fasting, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. They're, they're talking yeah. about totally fasting. Um, and, okay. and basically, what they're saying is that by starving the body, you're kickstarting your stem cells into producing new white blood cells, which, you know, for fighting off infection, it basically like flips a regenerative switch is what they said. And, uh-huh. and that, that actually kind of does make sense because, it, you know, you're looking, your body basically thinks it's going to starvation mode. So it's got to do something, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess that this is sort of one of the responses. So one of the things that they're saying, which is, which is weird in a way. I mean, it's not weird, but it, I, I feel like this would be hard to enact. But one of the things that they suggest is that for someone who's, whose system is heavily damaged by chemotherapy, they should try a fasting cycle. And I just can't, I, 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 I can't imagine telling somebody who's going through chemotherapy, like, okay, now don't eat for three days. Um, but they, but they may not have any, um, appetite. Either, that's true. So. That's true. But, yeah. um, but yes, it, yes, it's an interesting, it's an interesting <laughs> idea. And, the truth is, is that fasting in one form or another is very natural. You know, the idea that yeah. in modern society where we can just have food anytime we want it all day long, whenever we want it, is really not normal. Um, and, yeah. and it's not what our bodies are made for. And your bodies need that sort of rest. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're doing intermittent fasting or you're fasting for 12 hours, you're actually fasting for a full three days. There are definite benefits, pluses and minuses. So it's something worth trying. I'm not recommending people go out and fast for three days, but uh, it is absolutely worth looking at. Uh, or even trying it for 12 hours, you know, just when you go to have a dinner, this is the easiest way to try fasting, basically. When you have dinner, basically have, you go to bed, and then when you wake up in the morning, skip breakfast and wait till lunch until noon and see how you feel about, you know, the fasting. The first time you try it might not be great, but um, that's an easy way to sort of ease into it. Mm. Helps if you're really busy as well. Yes. <laughs> so the there was a little infographic that was called meetings are unproductive. And this is something that I've talked about for a very long time. And it actually plays into one of the reasons that I, I, I almost never like to have a phone call meeting or something with someone new, at least that, that's more than 15 minutes. Um, a lot of times when people will, it seems like the norm that people want to have like a 30 minute or a 45 minute or even sometimes an hour call or conversation with you. And the truth is, is that most of that stuff can get done in 15 minutes. Um, and it's, it's not being rude. It's just really being efficient. Uh, and this thing about meetings was, was kind of, it's not fascinating because I, I, I've, I'm not surprised, but meetings are generally unproductive. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of people who go to meetings don't necessarily, all of them have to be there. Um, mm-hmm. The, the number one question is, is the meeting actually necessary? You know, sometimes a simple email or an update might do it, but why do you actually have to pull people out of what they're doing to actually get them to meet? Um, and then a lot of times meetings don't have a clear agenda and people don't even know why they're there. And then they end up, everyone's on their phone, everyone's multitasking and people just sort of do their own thing. So when I have meetings, I usually like to do them like Skype video meetings or things like that with, with people or more often than not, I really try to stick to email and text or keeping it on a shared uh, Google Doc, whatever it might be. Because yeah. the problem with meetings is that you're assuming that you can get two different people, or more usually, onto the same schedule to do anything, which is really unlikely. And that's something that yeah. I've talked about before many times. But the, to think that you know, your biorhythms being different from what they are, and you know, I do creative work at this time and someone does it another time, and getting into the mode to do a meeting, and more importantly, the detriment of pulling somebody out of the work that they are already doing and making them do something that they're really not 
like primed to do at that moment, I, I, I think is really bad. So basically, <laughs> don't have meetings if you don't have to. And when you do, try to make them short and really to the point. But there was a yeah. there's a great TED talk actually, which we we should link to. And I forgot who it is now. It was the, it was. Um, I'm forgetting who it was, but basically he talked about how the, the M&Ms are the, the worst things for business, and that's the meetings and managers because they just, they're complete hindrances to productivity. So uh, really, really try to supercharge your meetings by having less of them and really knowing what you're actually meeting about and then deciding if that's really necessary. Yeah, sure. Um, so then, uh, there, there's just a couple more things. One was there's a new app that came out. Well, uh, it's not, it's a new, it's not a new website. It's a new app, but it's called cloud convert and cloud convert basically lets you convert, uh, files into any format you want, uh, from any format. And it's all done in the cloud, which is really a big thing because if you, you know, there's other online file converters, but a lot of them require you upload the file and then download the file. And, you know, if you're dealing with a 50 megabyte MP3, or, or a, you know, a big video file, that's really annoying. Cloud Convert will pull it right from your Google Drive or your Dropbox, convert it to whatever you want, and then put it back into Dropbox or Google Drive. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. So it's that amazing. Really impressive. And they yeah. have a corresponding iPhone app that lets you do exactly the same thing. So if somebody sends you a file that you want to convert, you can do it on the fly from the app. It'll even open zip files. It'll let you combine files. It, it really, it's, it's really amazing. Um, so I've been using that quite a bit for this new Udemy course that I'm working on with Ben Greenfield and I've been using it to convert all the files. So it's, it's awesome and will definitely up your productivity. Wow. That's really cool. Um, and this just thought came to me too, is I wanted to tell everybody that I, I've always recommended listening to podcasts at one and a half speed because you can obviously get through a lot more information, but I've actually been listening to podcasts at two times speed the last couple days. And it's kind of intense. It feels like, I feel like there's information being like shot into my head the entire time I was listening to it. <laughs> um, have you ever seen, Felix, have you ever seen that really crappy sci-fi movie, Johnny Mnemonic? No, I have not. Okay, so this is the it's the most ridiculous concept for a movie. But so Johnny Mnemonic is with um, uh, Keanu Reeves, and basically it's a it's a dystopian future. Even though it's you know it's in 1995, so you, you can imagine what they consider the future at that point. Um, but basically, people essentially are data couriers, couriers, and they carry data in their heads. <laughs> um, but oh, yeah. but like illegal data, you know. So like <clears throat> the mafia will want to you know transport illegal information and Johnny Mnemonic is one of these or um uh Keanu Reeves is one of these couriers so they like they download the information into his head and then someone else has to upload it on the other end with a secret code and they get paid a lot it's ridiculous but that's kind of what I felt like now that I'm listening to these podcasts at two times speed because you definitely have to pay attention a little bit more but you're still getting all the information it's kind of fantastic so you can listen to a you know an hour-long podcast in 30 minutes and that's i think i think it may have had an effect on your podcast sorry why am i talking about talking talking really really fast now. <laughs> well so now i'm making it so that people can't listen at two times speed basically i'm th- this is two times speed without being two times speed <laughs> i was gonna think we're all a thing that i've uh, sped up this podcast yes, right well it's production but you can you can make it so that you can speed it up without making my voice higher right Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So then the last thing is an article on my, one of my favorite websites, which is barking up the wrong tree from Eric Barker. And I actually disagree with something. So he said, it's the six things the most productive people do every day. And there's a few, and one of them is manage your mood. So that's fine. He says basically starting the day calm and, you know, getting in the right frame of mind to do things. So that's okay. That's fine. Uh, another one is basically before you try to do something faster, ask whether it should be done at all. I'm totally on board with that because a lot of times what I say to people is 
if you're trying to do something it becomes and you don't like it or it's repetitive or it takes you more than five minutes and it's not creative work, then you should actually stop and think about if this is something that you could possibly automate or outsource. Um, He says that focus is nothing more than eliminating distractions. So that's, you know, basically creating an environment to be able to work or to be able to do the things you do by avoiding those distractions. And of course, I say this while I have a baby crying in the background, but uh, (laughs) um, having a personal system. So whether it's less doing or something else, you know, having some sort of system to make you more productive and then defining your goals the night before. The, the, The sixth one, which he puts in there, which I don't agree with, is that he says, don't check your email in the morning. And what they're saying is that what that does is if you check your email first thing in the morning, it's setting you up to be reactive. And the reason that I don't agree with that is that if you have a good email system, And more importantly, you have the pathway set up. So this is something I've talked about before about how the best way to be decisive or to deal with this stuff that comes into you or to deal with emergencies even is that to basically preset the way that you handle certain situations. You know, so if I get an email about, I'm blanking now, but, you know, probably nine out of ten things that come in, even if they're a new sort of topic, I automatically in my head know how that gets dealt with. Either it gets forwarded to followup.cc for 8 o'clock in the, at night when that's when I do you know, creative work, or it gets forwarded to a virtual assistant, or I file it into Evernote, or I just delete it because it's dealt with. You know? So when I wake up in the morning and I have 10 emails in my inbox, I can usually get through all 10 of those emails before I've physically gotten out of the bed, even if I'm grabbing my phone on the way up. Literally I, 30 to 40 seconds I can deal with those 10 emails And that actually, to me, starts the day off really well because what I'm doing is I'm not reacting. I'm setting things in motion for later. Right, right. So I I don't don't agree with that. I just don't know who could possibly deal with not checking and doing one's email in the morning. Well, that's the thing. It just seems so inconceivable. It's like, don't answer the phone in the morning. Well, and and that's a fair – and I think that's a very fair point. And that's not because you're like a slave to your email. I mean, at least in my case, I like – I like my email. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's one of the more productive places that I, I am. And I like seeing the new information that comes in because I fortunately have my email set up in a way that if it's getting to my inbox, it's probably something interesting or something exciting to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that one. But everything else I thought, thought made a lot of sense. So, um, anyway, that's that's it for today. Before we get to the interview, do you have anything, Felix? Um, I was thinking that uh, in response to Mindy's question the other week um about I CRMs about no sorry not about CRMs was it Mindy's question it was someone's question about um you know finding files in um Google Drive Evernote all of the different places oh, yes, the right. where they have everything and and I I run into the same problem because I use Evernote Google Drive sometimes Apple Notes I don't know why I do that but I do um but Something I've found is that I, I need to like, I need to find a system so that I use certain things for Evernote and certain things for Google Drive. And I'm running into the problem where I'm using sort of a, a bit of both. And I was wondering, if, do you have any um, any thoughts on that? Do you use Google Drive for specific things or Evernote for other things? <laughs> uh, so I don't use Google Drive for storing anything. I don't really like the way Google Drive is laid out, honestly. I use it for all my creation stuff, like everything that I'm, I'm anytime I write something or I create a spreadsheet or, or even creating presentations, I'll do that with a Google Drive and then it's just kind yeah. of there. 
but mm-hmm. uh, I don't really use Google Drive for storing anything kind of important. Um, so it, it's just sort of like a random repository, and I don't I don't spend I rarely go into Google Drive unless I'm making something. So it just sort of works out that way. If it ends up being something like really important or a document that I need later on, I, I end up saving that in Dropbox because in Dropbox I, I just like the organization of Dropbox better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I just don't want to end up you know in a few years time where I've got everything spread out everywhere. Of not course, organized. Of course. So I'm just trying to get that sorted out. Um, in advance, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I come up with. Okay, great. Well, thanks. Okay, great. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. So my guest now is Tom Hatfield, who is the founder of Fetch, the the new app that I've actually been raving about in the last couple episodes. So, Tom, thank you for talking to me. Hi, Ari. So tell everyone what Fetch is, first of all. I mean, I've pretty much told everybody in the last few episodes, but why don't you share it? Well, so Fetch is a personal buying assistant uh, for, your, for your phone or tablet. And we have a very simple goal, which is to make buying easy on your mobile device. It's super simple. You can take a photograph or describe a product that you want to buy. And then we have a team of highly trained professional shoppers who will identify the lowest price online. They'll check for coupon codes, and then they'll place the order for you on your behalf using your shipping and billing information from your Fetch profile. So the consequence is that you can buy anything in seconds. So the buying really is as, as simple as describing the product that you want. So how did you come up with the idea? Because you, and by the way, you guys launched within the last month. We, we were on stage at TechCrunch Disrupt uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it's, uh, it's a very new uh, product. We have been building the product for just over a year, and we set out to try and solve a problem which we identified in our our lives and which you'll be familiar with, and that is that buying on your phone is a pain. And we we realized it takes four or five minutes to make a purchase on your phone. You have to click at least 18 times to enter your billing address and your shipping (laughs) address and your credit card number, your security code, your expiry date, your name, your email, your phone number let alone the time that it takes you to then do the price comparison and check the coupon codes. And, uh, you know, what a pain. And so part of the, part of the, the realization was that we'd taken the shopping cart technology that was invented in the mid-90s and ported it across onto the mobile with all of the drop-down boxes and forms to fill out. And you're doing all this on a tiny screen, so it really doesn't work. So we kind of started with a fresh sheet of paper and said, well, what if buying was just as easy as describing the product that you want? Then what would we have to do? And so that's really where, where Fetch emerged from. Okay. So what I find so interesting about this, I mean, besides the fact that it is very convenient, it works very well, and we're going to get into the functionality, but one of the things that I'm always recommending is virtual assistants. And you have general virtual assistants for all sorts of things. And a few months ago, I'm um, not sure how long now, maybe five, six months ago, Fancy Hands, which is the virtual assistant service that I usually recommend, uh, stopped doing payments. They had, I guess they had some issue with their processor, and they couldn't do it anymore. So that was, you know, of course, until it happens, you don't realize how inconvenient it is. But what I find so interesting about what you're offering, besides the convenience, is that there seems to be this trend now of sort of splintering into very specific kinds of outsourcing assistance. That's right. Well, first of all, I love Fancy Hands. Right? I, I use it uh, uh, a couple of times each week. But it is but shopping for products is a very specialized skill. And yeah. so 
the 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 process that we train our buying assistants to go through in terms of using multiple price checking services, checking for coupon codes, being able to identify exactly the product that you want and fill in the gaps when there's information missing. I mean, this is uh, this is a, a pretty specialized um, uh, skill in order to do right. And so it doesn't surprise me that some of the general virtual assistant services uh, don't want to get into this game. Uh, you know, there's the issues of guaranteeing that you're going to get the lowest price, uh, handling errors um, if the user or the or the buying team um, buy the wrong product. Uh, so there's really there's a there's a lot of detail here. And so so I think this notion of of human assistance. Um, in specialized areas is, is really the next wave of, of virtual assistant services. So can you tell us, I mean, unless it's too proprietary, but can you tell us a little bit about the training process that people go through? Because I agree, it is, buying is a specialized skill. And actually, before you even answer, you know, one of the things that people should know, which I thought is so cool, by the way, kudos to you, is that you can put in your Amazon login for this stuff. So if you have a Prime account, they can use that. And I'll tell you, honestly, if, if I can't buy something on Amazon with the one-click button, that's immediately when I want to send it to someone else to do it. And I've been kind of amazed with how much I've used Fetch, how little they've actually end up using Amazon. So it's kind of been actually eye-opening to me, right? You know, you get into a mode where you use Amazon because it's convenient, and you believe that it's typically cheaper. But your guys have been finding things way cheaper for, for me for stuff. That's right. Well, there's two, two key points there. I, I want to come back to the training uh, of the of the yeah. buying team. But the on, on Amazon, uh, you know, a significant percentage, about a third of the orders we place are through Amazon. Um, they are very competitive on price, as you know. It is the quickest and the easiest way to buy something at the moment using uh, is using Amazon one click until Fetch came along, and um, and people like Amazon, right? They 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 trust the brand and they they uh, they appreciate the shipping service and the, the customer service, and so. So we do try to make it easy for our users to use their Amazon accounts, even when placing the order through Fetch. Uh, so, but now you have the benefit of being able to buy any product from any retailer with one click and always be sure you're getting the absolute lowest price rather than just the general sense that Amazon, you know, is going to be low enough. And so, um, so we, so we do feel like Fetch is an improvement on the, on the Amazon, uh, user experience. The, but let's come back to training though, because the part of, part of what we offer uh, is the the trust that the buying team are going to identify exactly the product you want? They're going to not. They're going to find exactly the lowest price available online. They're going to check every single coupon code, and they're going to fill out that checkout form for you without making any errors. And so we have a very rigorous training process uh, for new buying team members uh, that is not dissimilar to uh, the kind of uh, process that an Uber driver would go through uh, from recruitment to training, to testing, to quality control, to user ratings, etc. And so the, we have a, we have a significant number of, of applications to be on the buying team. If you can imagine, it's kind of the dream job <laughs> to work from home and, and, uh, and buy things all day for other people while saving them money. <laughs> and so we, uh, we put them through a rigorous training process that includes um, a, a textbook portion. So we do have a, we've developed a knowledge base uh, with uh, with a lot of reading, uh, which is basically the first week. Uh, they then go through um, an open book exam where they can uh, answer questions um, based on the buying pro- based on the buying process that we've uh, specified. They then go through a um, test environment where we submit requests to them 
and they go and find the lowest price. Uh, we already know what the answers are, and so we um, we kind of monitor how they perform there. Uh, we then pair them up with a buddy who's an existing member of the buying team and um, and give them their first session in the live environment. Uh, but at that point, they're, they're being closely monitored by their by their buying team buddy, uh, and ultimately um, they start uh, working uh, you know full eight hour shifts from home. Um, but we we have stringent quality control measures in place, so we're doing auditing of the the searches that they're doing. So it's a pre- it's a pretty rigorous process. You know, about a quarter of the buying team go back for retraining each month, um, and uh, as we uh, let go of the poorly performing members of the buying team who who might be missing best prices. We bring in a, a new a new batch each month, and so so the quality of that team really is the uh, the, the core to to Fetch's future success. It's it, it's it's really fascinating to me, honestly. I mean, I, I deal with a lot of outsourcing, obviously, so I'm looking at this on a couple levels. But for for people listening, you know, I think it'd be very easy to say, oh, they're just buying stuff. It's really simple. But you're showing that this is actually a pretty rigorous process to get this right. And, you know, you maybe it's trivial for the person who wants to get this particular pair of shoes, but for the person who has a budget and they have to, they need certain things, like this is a hugely, hugely valuable service. And it's a free service, by the way. We didn't even mention that. That's right. So the, the business model for Fetch is, is affiliate commission. So we get, on average, about 7% of the transaction value from the retailer. Uh, the price that you pay as a user is the same uh, whether you order directly from the retailer or through Fetch. Um, we are planning to introduce um, some premium subscription features for our, our heaviest users, but there will always be that free option uh, for users to to get used to to using the service. Um, but I, I do want to come back to that, that point you made about the, um, the, the specialized skill because I often get asked the question, why is human intelligence better than artificial intelligence when it comes to placing e-commerce purchases, right? Why not use Amazon Flow? Why couldn't Siri do this? And uh, and I really do think it's the ability for uh, a human buying team member to use their judgment to identify exactly the product you want, to check every single uh, uh, price uh, out there to manually check coupon codes if needs be, and then be able to fill out any form on any website. That's something that no uh, computer could do today, and uh, it, they, they may get there. Uh, they, they, the computers may get there one day, but right now, uh, um, I think Fetch is the best we have. Right, and I, and I love it. So, uh, all right, the last question that I like to ask Tom is: What are the top three things that make you more effective? You're just you're from whatever you do, whatever you've done, your personal top three productivity effectiveness tips. Gosh, personally, well, I'm, I'm a huge subscriber to Inbox Zero. I um, good. I, I filter every email that comes in, um, either to be actioned uh, by project or, uh, or or to a uh, or to an archive and. Uh, Follow the the twenty the, the two minute rule, which is if if something takes less than two minutes, and get it done now. Um, I write down my to dos every day and order them by priority and cross them off my list through the day. I um, believe that writing down your goals is the number one um, driver of, of productivity and success. And so um, my wife laughs at me for, for keeping a paper version on our fridge, but it just kind of reminds me uh, what's important um, in this in this coming period. Uh, and so, uh, so you know, Ari, since since we first spoke a few weeks ago, I am uh, now a avid uh, listener of the, the Less Doing podcast. <laughs> and I think that's, uh, that's probably top of my list right now. 
Well, thank you very much, Tom. So uh, everybody has to check out Fetch. What's the URL? It's buywithfetch.com or it's Fetch uh, in the uh, App Store or Google Play. Okay. Well, Tom, thank you so much. Everybody check out Fetch and you'll start getting more of what you need and want and saving more money. So thanks again. Thanks so much, Ari. 